Yeah, rabbit out of a hat. Yeah, that's uh, that was done a while ago, and that's a very, very good mix and recording, and a uh, nice piece of music called Latitudes by me. <laughs> what I like about it is I like the uh, atonal bass uh, playing in various keys, <laughs> but uh, no, I I do like my bass playing. I'm inspired now to pick up that bass again. And um, I got pretty wild on the bass at one point, you know, really like Getty Lee on steroids, kind of, you know, on on speed or something, you know, just wildly moving around the the fretboard and uh, just kind of using it as a drum, drum, as like a percussion instrument, interesting, Um, you know, without getting into the kind of like slappy flea type stuff, you know, just, just, you know, I kind of like the uh, fretless bass too. Uh, a lot, and uh, we'll just have to experiment more when when I get uh, more a little more recovery. Uh, since you know we live forever, might as well <laughs> treat it as a long distance run. Listen, I have some good news to report. This uh, Doctor Zelenko. How many of you remember Vladimir Zelenko? What a great guy, huh? You know, he was like uh, the, the medical rabbi. Anyway, he, uh, so his legacy is a supplement company. And he developed during the pandemic, I mean, he's so concerned about people not getting just the very simple thing they need, you know, quercetin D, uh, vitamin C, and um, zinc. So he made his, what's called a Z-stack. So they're just a supplement you take by mouth. It's a, you know, um, a, a capsule. And you would get those nutrients. And it worked pretty well. But, you know, it was, it was you know, you could do it yourself, too, by getting quercetin, Z, and D, and, and zinc, uh, you know, on your own. He wasn't the only one. But then he, he developed, uh, he can, well, after his death, the company that he founded, um, I think it's called Z Life or Z something or other. Uh, and it's funny having the Z thing going, you know. <laughs> um, and so he started having these products, and I ordered one called the uh, Z Flu. And it looked like it was a Z stack, the same thing. It had uh, quercetin, Z, D, and um, uh, zinc in it, and then with the addition of elderberry. But it's nothing like that. These are gummies. And I took them, I started getting a, a, a cold flu type thing last summer. I was pretty weak, you know, that was leading up to my June debacle in the hospital. So I was um, I was really coming down with it. And usually when I get a cold or flu, you know, it always goes into those lungs. That's one of the problems I have. That's one of the things I need to really watch out for. And, uh, you know, it's a, uh, but it's always, there's, there's never been a time in my life ever where it didn't, you know, the cold didn't eventually get up into the sniffles and then pretty soon into the lungs. Okay, and then you, I would take antibiotics and different kinds of things for it. I'm, I'm not sure what kind of, kind of antibiotic, but, um, uh, you know. So this time, I happen to have the Z-Flu. I don't know. I, I ordered a couple bottles of it. 
And like I said, they're gummies. They taste great. Anyway, so I started taking them during this, you know, because I started with a little on the side of my throat, you know, sore. I have a little copper zapper thing. I started using the copper zapper, and it didn't stop it. You know what I mean? It kept going. It might have weakened it, though. You put that up your nose, right, to kill the, uh, to kill the uh, what is it, the uh, virus, whatever. It's the virus bacteria. I'm not, I'm not sure. It's like, you know, whatever a cold is. And um, then uh, yeah, I went to the Z-Stack. The, 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 uh, it, it, didn't, it didn't blockade it. It kept getting worse. So it was on its way toward, you know, cold Armageddon, which is, you know, usually being uh, unable to, you know, hard to breathe and, you know, just a tough, you know, it's just a tough process going through like a couple of weeks to get it out of your system. And I think a lot of you remember that cold at the beginning of the summer, right? Well, okay, so I took the uh, Z-Stack one day, two days. Within a couple of days, the first day I noticed uh, some, you know, a little bit relief. But by day three, it was knocked out, gone. And that's never happened to me before. Well, uh, okay, that's one test. You know, it's not enough to talk about. Then yesterday, I had that same feeling, um, and I know I was around people that, who also had a cold. There's some people that have colds out there. Okay, so I know it's a little side of my throat thing. Took two of the Z flu. No, they're not paying me. Honestly, I'm not. I don't represent the company, but uh, it was knocked out in with two gummies. Done. Gone. Perfect. Energy. Nice. Okay, so that's a kind of a, you know, revelation that this company, in the absence of Vladimir Zelenko, though, have gone on to do excellent work in the spirit of Zelenko, because he was like a perfectionist, you know, as an MD. You know, he's Dr. Zelenko, right? He's a, he's a medical doctor. He was, and then he had died of cancer. Um, or targeted more likely, because he was quite the activist, quite a great guy at explaining the uh, spiritual battle that uh, people face and uh, what he thought of people that would comply and uh, you know, consider them like demons in human form, actually. But anyway, that being said... Um, it, it, it very impressive. So I'm, you know, so the Z stack was was good, not as good as I mean, I'm being really honest here. Not as good as the Z flu. I like the Z stack, but I it didn't. I had I, t- I took it back when I had a another flu cold thing. You know, I don't know, a year and a half ago when we were out in Los Angeles doing the documentary a year ago, whatever. And um, I was taking it during that time, and it didn't knock it out. But the Z flu twice now. I've used it twice, and twice it knocked it out. Never had that experience before in my life. I, hear, I get jealous. I hear other people talk about getting their flu knocked out. And, you know, that you know, one day they did a lemon juice and this and that and the other thing. And, uh, you know, 15 pills of vitamin C and... And blah, 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 blah. And they knocked it out, you know. Well, okay. So I've never been lucky enough that way to, to you know, to, I've done all those kind of things, all those little home remedy things, you know, supplements, vitamin C, all that. Fine. 
But with these, two, two gummies knocked it out. Uh, unheard of. It stopped it and in its tracks, and that was the end of it. And I'll take another couple today just as a uh, prophylactic, just as a, you know, a cautionary whatever, just to not be you know, filled with hubris, just realize these diseases that are flying around are pretty, they're, they're, they intend to take you down, right? So I'm, um, you know, so I'm really happy that I can make that recommendation. I don't know uh, they may be a little bit, I'm not exactly, they're kind of, you know, a little ex- expensive, I think, you know, those supplements. But the one thing I can say about Zelenko supplements so far is that they're way better than InfoWars. Not even comparable. And, you know, in so far in general, I'm, you know, batting 100%. With InfoWars stuff, I've had some of those supplements not sold on the multivitamin. Um, I've, I've, you know, trying out the nitric boost. Everyone's talking about that, you know, and that I have heart issues. So I got a, you know, a diagnosis of AFib, which is the leading cause of stroke. And, you know, like a, half the people in America have AFib, <laughs> I found out. So they want to put them all on Eliquis, right? And, and uh, Metoprazole or whatever it's called. So, you know, so, uh, so we'll just, you know, have to, you know, have to see, um, how that goes. And so then, um, what else? Okay. So I take the nitric boost for, to, uh, you know, to increase the blood flow, to prevent uh, clotting or to be, uh, allow the clots to go through, um, to not constrict, you know, the, uh, the vascular system. And um, so, so far, real good, real good result with that. And that's actually the drug that they put me on that's supposed to do just that very thing, is right? You know, they want to put you on blood thinner so you don't get a clot, and right? To prevent you from getting a stroke or a heart attack or a cardiac arrest. And um, if, you have a, if you have AFib, then again, the AFib diagnosis may be bullshit and they might just, you know, want an excuse to put you on drugs. The big pharma company, you know, pays for these people, you know, to keep you on drugs the rest of your life, which I'm seriously not going to do. I just want you to know that, uh, as soon as I can make my escape from big pharma, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? I'm just a little bit paranoid right now because they, there's a, on the bottle, there's a threat that if you quit taking this, uh, you could die of a stroke. So there's like, so there's this, language that I have to overcome. So, um, you know, and, 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 you know, the doctors and the insurance company and they spend a lot of money on me. Um, and I want to stay in the good <laughs> graces of that because I don't want to suddenly get a bill for all my medical expenses because that would pretty much break the bank. That would be the end of me. You know, I don't think I could write a, you know, I think it's probably upwards of $200,000. Sorry to put it that way, but that's, and they did everything in the book, you know, like CT scans, ECGs, you know, electrocardiograms, uh, EKGs, uh, uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, glucose test, the, this, that, that, and the other thing, um, and then and then finally following up with uh, with um, yeah, you know, um, uh, well, a couple of things we got to follow up with nephrology, which I haven't done yet. With nephrology is kidneys. And then you've got uh, the, uh, 
uh, urinary tract infection. Uh, you've got lungs, heart, obviously AFib, and um, having to slow the heart rate. When I first went in for for a, you know for a treatment, and it was in Houston, my you know the the reading was like two hundred beats a minute. I know. And then the nurse goes, God, that's really, really hot. It's bad. And I'm like, shit, where did that come from? Why is it like that? You know? And then, um, and then the next time it was like 146. And 146 over whatever, you know, 90 something, whatever. 146 is actually kind of within a range that, you know, is semi tolerable. But where I am right now is like, you know, 120 over 80. 118 over, over, you know, 82 or, you know, no, sorry, 116 over 74. Yeah, on that level, that's the level, you know, blood oxygen, you know, 90, 97 to 98%. The only problem that I face now is sleep. Sleep, I mean, the heart as it relates to sleep, the, the interim beats, during the time of sleep and how much REM sleep is, is gotten. I don't know why that's going off. Oh, well, we can't. We're on the phone. It's, you know. You want to get it? No. Anyway, so the only thing I face now is sleep because sleep, the, the heart test as it relates to sleep, in other words, the tendency to to a tachycardia, which is which is uh, uh, like the sped up heart, two hundred beats a minute, that sort of thing, is tachycardia, and that's you know leads to a cardiac arrest and heart attacks and the end of your life. So um, so that's all dialed in except for sleep. The only you know negative is between the beats is measured, and they can tell from that how fatigued you are. Okay, so if you've got good blood oxygen, which I do. Great uh, blood pressure, which I have perfect. I have blood pressure I had when I was 25. Okay, uh, but sleep is affecting a couple of the of the heart. Um, I, I monitor all of these things um, with a uh, a calibrated smartwatch. So I have, uh, you know, we make we make the data, we make all these graphs, and I can actually send those to, to, to any doctor. And so I'm watching. You know, I'm watching it and I'm saying, yeah, relaxation, sleep. And the, the edict is if you're not getting seven hours sleep, you're not, and I have, I have a deficit of five years on sleep or, or maybe even maybe, maybe seven years. And I think it's the sleep that's contributed to whatever problems I have medically was all created by a lack of sleep, you know. And a lot of that lack of sleep was created by drinking too much in the evening and then having it, you know, make me awake during the night, having my heart race, things like that. Okay. So that's all contributed um, to whatever problems I have now. So having known what I know now, I'd go back and I'd say, okay, you need sleep and you need to, you know, detox and knock this crap off and all that. And, um, you know, understanding the, 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 the connection between alcohol and medication and alcohol and heart rate. Because the alcohol sleep deprivation, deprivation equation 
is what makes people sick because it, it destroys your immune system. So you can't fight off anything. So if they sound very puritanical, they say, well, no, you, you can't have alcohol. You got to, you know, and then they always say, you got to, the AMA always says, well, you got to stop eating meat. You know, <laughs> they sort of echo the Klaus Schwab. But um, the sleep thing is accurate. It is the most important thing that's overlooked in America is sleep. And I didn't realize this. I didn't realize that the sleep took away your immune system or I wouldn't have done it over all those years because I'd get up at two in the morning and, and, you know, go create, you know, work on a song or work on a novel, work on a screenplay, do something. Because I'm just a workaholic. I'm just constantly working, you know. And if I'm not working, I'm depressed because that's, I have a, uh, a medical, you know, a, a, you might just say that I'm hypoglycemic. They actually gave me a diagnosis of diabetic in, in the hospital. And then they took it back, realizing that when looking at my numbers, I say, look, I have my numbers for every hour of every day for the last week. Take a look. And then they withdrew the medication. They said, no, well, no, you're not diabetic. Sorry. I said, you could kill me with that. You realize how many people die from being misdiagnosed? You know, you've already made mistakes. I'm a, you know, I'm a little bit worried about, you know, putting myself under your care at this point. You know, I know more than you do now because I did the research. Maybe you went to, you know, doctor school you know, medical school, what, what, 30 years ago, 20 years ago? Well, you need a little refresher course, dude. Uh, so anyway, um, misdiagnosed is the, uh, you know, the uh, AFib. Well, it's not really around right now. Is that a misdiagnosis? Uh, the uh, drug they have me on, one of them is Eliquis, which is, uh, comes with a warning that, you know, if you um, cut yourself or if you fall, you need to go to the ER. You know what I mean? And you need to report to the hospital immediately. And then, then, but, but that, here's the kicker. But these drugs make you dizzy like you're going to fall. <laughs> you can't win for losing. You can't lose for winning. Anyway, the bottom line is, uh, is uh, you know, there, it, it, is, it is what we thought it was during COVID. That's how competent they are. None of the departments talk to each other. There is no communication between uh, specialists. And um, so the only people that know what's going on is usually the general practitioner that doesn't know shit to begin with, right? That's why they're not a specialist. So here we are, right? You've got to take responsibility for your own health. And we all know that living a natural life is better than living a big pharma drug life. You know, people that have... High blood pressure should not spend the rest of their lives on blood thinners, okay? They got to find a way to lower that pressure naturally. You got to keep researching until you find a way. Keep experimenting until you find a way. And, of course, if you're not getting sleep, your blood pressure is going to be up. You have a tendency that that's what makes your heart race. That's what makes your, you know, your, everything start racing. Everything start getting out of whack. So, anyway... Back to my recommendation. So the, the, I, you, you check to see if your mileage may vary. But for me, you know, because I can't say it'll work for you the same way. But the Z flu is a mind blower, game changer. You know, and all. I want to get some more just to have them as a stash because any I don't even go to anything else. There is no other supplement I could I could probably throw away. 
dozens of bottles of supplements now, having that, um, just because of the performance level. So that's, that's one thing. And then, like I said, I've tried these supplements from various places. I do like um, over-the-counter type supplements, like at Whole Foods and at, uh, you know, and in pharmacies and stuff that they do carry the Garden of Life supplements. I find that, that those, are, they're, those are very well made, too. They have a multivitamin that I may probably switch out because I'm, like I said, I'm not happy with the, uh, with the, um, you know, I gave the uh, Infowars thing a chance, but they're not always as good. A lot of those are are just relabeling stuff you can buy in the Whole Foods anyway to keep the to keep the show going, right? To keep the keep the to pay the overhead. So that's not a good reason to be, you know. what I mean, that's 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 fine if you want to support the show. I'm just saying. Um, you know, it's probably better to go to the source of that multivitamin or that, uh, like, for example, wound gel. You can get it at Walgreens. The same stuff, right, but a little cheaper. And so, you know, just uh, just FYI, but this Zelenko company, they seem to be on fire. And um, I've tried a lot of other supplements. I've tried Dr. Berg's. Supplements too. You would have to get them from Doctor Berg. Doctor Berg's a very generous doctor that does a lot of work on, uh, you know, he does work on the keto diet, but he does a lot of work on things like prostate, and has like a drink you can make at home that he tells you about, and he gives that away for free. That that opens up the prostate, and that's interesting, involving lemon peels and the uh, the, the nutrients in lemon peel. Uh, some of these guys like Doctor Gundry kind of get on this uh, leptin thing and and that's a you know everyone's trying to figure out how to lose weight um if you are uh, metabolically challenged you're not going to lose weight doing the keto diet i'm sorry if you have a low metabolism it's not going to work they say oh no it speeds up your metabolism no it doesn't it'll bog you down because you need you need you know the the, the other thing is the first thing to go I know this from being a being a being a person that uses his brain a lot, you know, because everything I do, like writing, composing music, all these things require brain, you know, glucose to the brain. The first thing that drains when you sit down and do a project is glucose. That's why you see so many writers that are overweight. Why are they overweight? It's because after you have a session, say two hours, you know, maximum two hours you hit the fridge because you have to replace the glucose because the first thing that goes in your body when you start concentrating when you start exerting yourself the first thing that goes is the brain glucose glucose in the brain is that's what drains first so writers are always going after a session of really racking their brains out trying to get their stories right or composers is they're going a lot of times to the uh you know to get a little chalk get a little boost and if they're in the keto land thing, um, well, the thing is they're going to have to eat a lot of fat and protein to get any kind of boost at all because they're, they're, they're non-glycemic items. So this is just, this is my own discoveries here. And again, this not giving out medical advice for you, but just my own, this is my own process. And so there has to be a strategy you know, because it's always going to happen. Even if you improve your metabolism to where your, you know, your insulin is doing what it's supposed to do, your pancreas is doing what it's supposed to do, creating the insulin, and the insulin is taking down your blood sugar 
so you're not spiking. Because when you spike with blood sugar, then you can get tired, have to go to sleep. You know, and you have to. You know, can be a problem. A lot of people have these problems from you know from the foods they sell you. But um, so you need to replenish that brain glucose. Um, and I've tried it with stimulants like, you know, mental stimulants like brain force and, uh, what was Joe Rogan's thing on it? What was it called? Alpha brain. That didn't work at all. That was like, that was like the worst supplement I've ever had in my life. Uh, you know, it it did absolutely nothing. You know, it wasn't even like a half a cup of coffee. It was zero. So, you know, a lot of these guys are, you know, a lot of this is a con artist, you know, it's just snake oil. Uh, and the supplement world's full full of uh, of grifters. <laughs> There's like take the prostate business. There's a million products for prostate, and they're all you know the guy gets on there and he makes a case that he has prostatitis and he and he couldn't even does a sob story about how it, his wife is so disappointed and he can't have sex and he has to go be you know have be catheterized at the urologist every week where you know where young nurses are, are fiddling around with his penis and, you know, how embarrassing that is and, and just how lost he feels because, you know, he's got this uh, prostate issue. Well, the prostate issue is, um, and then they offer a product, you know, after he does a great, now these are professional actors that are on there, right? And they're, 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 they're acting in front of the camera and they're telling you this story about why and then you buy the product and it does nothing. Right, because I fought that issue for twenty years, you know, and then then finally, you know, we got into an emergency with the bladder or whatever, and they they don't talk about the bladder. The bladder is you know equally as important as the prostate in terms of overall urinary health, and where it all where does all that begin? It begins with the kidneys, and they're connected. So you can't treat just one thing; you have to treat the whole person. You have to treat the whole system, like the, the whole gastrointestinal system or the, or the urinary system, which, which begins with the kidneys. Because if, uh, if the kidneys are shot, that's the end. You know, either get a new kidney, it's dialysis or whatever, the liver. All these things are, um, you know, just uh, connected to an overall health, you know, picture. But I think the most misunderstood thing in our country, in our world, is uh, glucose, and and obviously the heart, you know, and uh, and and its relation to glucose, the glucose uh, heart combination, um, and and uh, and insulin, and how that how that affects people in terms of you know, like forty percent of the people in America are depressed and they're on some kind of psychotropic uh, drug. Well, that's probably metabolism related and also sleep related. And so they go get on Prozac or something. It's got nothing to do with what their problem is. It just creates another problem. And that's that I had to happen to a friend of mine. He went to a psychiatrist because he was depressed. And the guy didn't even talk to him. He just put him on the drug, and that was the end of it. He's been fine, thank God. I mean, he did get a DWI, but he's been fine. You know, he's been fine, you know, but he, but he, he has, he's come, now he's kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He's got like a violent, he's got like a violent part of his personality now. So like, you don't know what you're going to get, the nice guy or the guy that wants to kill you. And, you know, 
the the label warning on it says you can become homicidal. So, you know, my daughter took got on psychotropics. So it wasn't that had nothing to do with her problem. Her problem was low metabolism and glucose. And uh, but what happened is uh, she ended up jumping off a bridge because of psychotropic, because of some dumb asshole psychiatrist in, in Italy. You know, and these people know nothing. The way it is, is they want to pressure you into taking their drugs. That's the whole purpose of the hospital. That's the whole purpose of psychiatry. That's the entire purpose of medicine now, is to get you on drugs or into a procedure. There is no other purpose. Not Getting well, no, that's got nothing to do. They're actually disappointed when patients recover. It means less money for them. So, I mean, you know, we all knew this. Right, folks? We all knew. We all understood. You know, but it's one thing to understand it theoretically. It's another thing to understand it, you know, literally from going through it. And I've gone through it or going through it. And um, it makes people scared to get off the medicine because they're worried that they're going to die if they don't take it because they're given their gaslit. Okay, there's an appointment I have to go to called anti-quag. And I've gone twice. And it's with the head pharmacist at the hospital. And it's a follow-up to my hospitalization. It's actually a continuation of my hospitalization on an outpatient basis. And what is her purpose? The head of pharmacy? Her purpose is to make sure that I take this eloquence. That, that's all it is. It, it, I, well, what about the metoprolol that's like regulating the heartbeat, you know, slowing it down? And, and it's like, that's, well, that's not their concern. It's to make sure that I stay on the eloquence. So she's checking up on, on that. And then she gets out a chart to show that if I quit taking it, this is what can happen to you. Stroke. Death. And um, that's the whole purpose of the meeting. It's called anti-coag, anti-coagulation, right? Blood thinning so that you don't develop a blood clot. And, and then the warning, if you fall, if you cut yourself or anything like that, come right into the hospital right away so we can take care of it, so we can deal with it because we have to give you an antidote. <laughs> I, I just leave that right there. I mean, obviously... Obviously, that is completely bass-ackwards. That is completely idiotic. And um, so we all have to become researchers, and we have to deal with that. And most everybody that gets on any kind of blood thinner, any of these things, they're, they're, as this lady was telling me, this nurse, she says, well, she okay, I'll just say what she said to me. She said, I said, well, I'd like to get off this stuff. She goes, you're going to be on this for the rest of your life, she said. She said, for a long time. She said, you're going to be on this for a long time, like the rest of your life. She said, most people are on it the rest of their lives. Well, if you're on it the rest of your life, your life will be cut short, guaranteed. You will die earlier than you would have died. And you will probably die a worse death. So, you know, the research has... Of course, if you're wrong... You know, the only reason that there needs to be blood thinners is because people have so much plaque in their arteries for they eat stuff that, you know, here's the test. If you have um, some kind of food 
that, you know, it should liquefy if it just sits out, you know. Um, I mean, that goes for anything. Anything that doesn't liquefy, that just, you know, sort of stays the same, like, say, McDonald's fries or something, that you can leave them there for a month and they're just the same, right? That's going to stick to your arteries. So how do you clean, how do you get that done? Well, that's, that's what everyone is dealing with, circulation right now, metabolism, blood flow, glucose, because without the glucose... People are afraid of glucose because they don't want those spikes. But without the glucose, then you have no energy. You know, the carbs and the proteins and all the stuff, it works together to produce an energized human. And so, you know, um, you know, the keto thing is the- theoretically, I mean, I tried it for years and I didn't, it didn't work at all, ever. In fact, the first time I experienced it was 1972 when Atkins published his book on low carb. And I was going up and down in weight even as a teenager. So I, so I tried it. And I, it, it was a complete colossal failure. And so I remember that now. And then all the times I've tried it lately was because everyone else was doing it. And uh, it didn't work at all. And I had myself fooled. Um, well, I'm pre-diabetic. I need to, you know. Well, the diabetic diet is 75 carbs per meal. So if you think that it, if the keto is the answer to it, then you're wrong because according to the American Diabetes Association, it's 75 carbs a meal and it's more like this. Vegetables are, it, it's kind of like the keto thing in the sense of vegetables are, the certain kinds of vegetables, cruciferous vegetables are un, unlimited eating. You have all those you want, right? They're self-regulating. So all your celery and your broccoli and whatever, you can, you know, cauliflower, you can munch on that all you like. And then one quarter of your plate should be a carb, one, one quarter a protein. That, that's the diabetic diet. Pretty not hard to, you know, pretty just a common sense thing, right? And um, then if you've got kidney problems, then, then you don't want a lot of protein. You can't do any kind of keto diet because it would blow out your kidneys because the kidneys can't handle protein. Uh, because it gets, you get a disease called proteinuria. And that's, you know, when you have pain in your kidneys where they're aching, it's because they're processing and they're having trouble processing what you're eating. So if you're feeding it a lot of steak and stuff, you're going to have kidney pain. So you're going to, you know, obviously have to find a balance. So with people that have kidney problems, they say eat bland stuff, you know, white rice, uh, you know, you know, white crack, saltine crackers, you know, white tortilla, right? Uh, you know, and things like that. You know, you know, veggies and you know, protein from like fish or chicken or something, but sparingly. You know what I mean? So it's it's a it's a different you know it's a different approach, and then that's all there by the American Kidney Association, and they have their diet. And if you take that plus the diabetic diet and put them together, it's, it's very easy to combine the two of them and to be gentle on the kidneys and at the same time um, uh, trying to keep from the glucose spikes that diabetics have. Well, if you're also hypoglycemic, now get this, there is a disease that's like, there may be my problem, where you have a tendency toward di- being diabetic and sen- sense of uh, spikes in blood sugar but at the same time, you're really hypoglycemic, meaning you have low blood sugar. So your blood sugar falls to a, um, 
well, if it falls down below, I don't know, if you get down in the 50s in your rating, you know what I mean? They'd say, call the doctor. And I'm, I'm at like 59 at night. And then I eat, I'm at like 126. So, uh, and then it comes down again, which is normal. So, you know, actually, um, when you're hypoglycemic, you have to, you, so if you do something like write or you do a project or you do anything being hypoglycemic, you need to replace that glucose in the brain. Now, you can't just take an IV and put it in your arm and, you know, feed the brain <laughs> glucose. You've got to um, find a way to do it without something that's going to make you gain weight. Because as you gain weight, you become more insulin resistant. And insulin is what brings the blood sugar spikes down. That's why people shoot themselves up with insulin to bring down that, you know, they're up over 200, right? They got to bring that, that spike down. And um, so, I, you know, as I study myself and I watch, I take a graph, 24-hour graphs every day. So I see the, 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 you know, the humps in the camel, which are when you eat. And yesterday I actually got a spike um, in the middle of the day after not eating anything for hours, just out of nowhere. There was a spike. And then I, then I uh, with enough research, I was able to find the answer. And the answer is the kidneys will dump glucose into the bloodstream when they're free and clear. In other words, they're real busy. They're, they're holding that back. But then when they're freed up, like after you urinate or something like that, and you're, you know, they're not having to you know, keep dumping urine into your bladder, then they will dump you know, the, the uh, uh, glucose in, and then make, that can make you spike even if you're fasted. So it's nothing to really worry about as long as you don't get too high, as long as you're getting in the like 120 and you start coming down again, you know, it's fine. It's just something to keep aware of that uh, there's other processes that can happen that are not food related that can give you a spike. And they don't ever talk about that. They just say you should give yourself insulin if you're over a certain number. Well, if you keep giving yourself insulin, guess what happens? Insulin resistance. You get fat and sluggish and tired and depressed and upset because insulin that, you know, is naturally created from the pancreas to bring your blood sugar down works fine in a natural thing, but it doesn't work fine if you keep injecting it. If you keep giving yourself more and more, you can become immune to it you know what i mean and you're used to it you can you start tolerating it and you know when that happens then you're in real trouble and then most diabetics you know then have to add medication metformin to to help deal with that so it's 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 a never-ending road to hell big pharma not that you didn't know this already but just you know going through my own you know how i am I, i'm like a Armchair chemist, armchair, you know, you know, I love doing, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm into medical research because then I use it right in a fictional way. I like to be accurate, you know, so, so that when, when there's a reader that knows something, they look and they go, ah, shoot, this guy knew what he was talking about, you know, so you don't get caught with your pants down, right? You're just winging it. But, um, anyway, uh, it's, it's a trip. I, I think what I'm leading to is, that all of these problems God has provided a way to deal with in a natural way. 
I'm not saying that drugs don't help, you know, to intervene when you need that intervention, just like you need your leg broken, you need a splint put on it to get it to heal, right? But then, you know, you can't just stay there. Or that's what I'm saying to myself. Uh, When I say you, again, no medical advice given at the Zaff Report to anybody else. This is all my own experience. Your mileage may vary. Um, But I do believe it's true that the connection between sleep and heart rate and blood glucose and all that's all related and insulin, right? More sleep equals being a skinnier person. You know, it just because you're, why? Because your metabolism is going to work better. Because you're, you're taking more time to fast away from food because you're not eating for, you're sleeping for seven hours and you're not going to eat for like eight or nine hours. A lot of people do intermittent fasting and they feel better than they felt in years. Or fasting, you know, complete fasting will, will help reset the clock. And um, these are all things God's given us and they don't cost any money. Right, but I'm not saying you know no to the hospital because, like, if you need it, then you know I wouldn't be here now if there wasn't a hospital there. So I do have gratitude for that, and that the doctors knew what they were doing to bring me out of the infection I was in, and all out of the uh, sepsis I was in, and out of the uh, the lung, uh, the congestive heart failure uh, risk of cardiac arrest that I had when when I went in there. So I'm glad that they, you know, that the, uh, there was an intervention and they put me in the ambulance and they did all, all they did. But then, you know, it's time to move on. It's time to get out of there and then, you know, reassess. According to them, I, you know, what's so strange is they want to send me to um, nephrology for kidneys because my kidneys have been everywhere from, you know, that day where I was admitted, they were at 30%, you know, almost in dialysis territory. And then they came back to 56%. And then... I got discharged, they were up in 60%, but you need to really be in 70 to 80%. And a lot of this was damaged because of my urinary tract infection. And so nephrology is the study of kidneys, right? And I'm sure when I go there, there's going to be like a whole bunch of people there in dialysis machines, you know, and, and I'm just like, oh, God, you know, I don't want to see that. You know, and uh, at the same time, I'm, you know, researching, well, what's good for these kidneys? You know, well, what, what brings them back? The medical establishment says nothing brings them back. You just try to manage the decline. By the end of your life, your kidneys will fail. And that's just completely unacceptable to me. You know, call me, you know, someone that just isn't going to give up the belief in Santa Claus. But I mean, I'm not going to go there. I believe that anything can be regenerated, including bladders, kidneys, whatever. So we have a big difference of opinion. They want me to be a victim and just fall on them to take care of everything, and uh, you know, and you know, bill the insurance company, and and you know, and kind of sorry in a way that I got this uh, talked into this Medicare thing because it's like just an excuse for them to just do procedures. Anyway. But the Dr. Zelenko supplements, so with all that I've done, all the research I've done and all the, all the things, all the pills I've taken, all the, you know, all the roads I've been down, um, I can definitely say this Dr. Zelenko, uh, it's, it's not everything he's got. It's this Z-flu stuff. 
helped me twice in a row. I mean, like I say, got that sore throat, you know, when you get to, I've never had that where it didn't go all the way. Mucus, then next thing is lungs. Yeah, just, just, uh, you, you know, you can count on it. It's like clockwork. You take the Zelenko gummy bears, boom, none, nothing. I did not get that same result with the Z-Stack pills, even though they say they're the same ingredients. Didn't Just because they say the same ingredients, that's another thing, doesn't mean it's going to work. It's the, I guess it's the process of putting the ingredients together. So for some reason, these gummy bears, which are, you know, delightful to have, uh, seem to do the trick better than any, anything on earth. You know, and I'm not surprised. Um, so they've got a new one out. I'm going to be a guinea pig for it. It's got, it's got to do with sleep. And I'll bet it's good. So I'm waiting to get it. And when I get it, I'll, I'll figure it out. So that's the end of my, my health report today. I, uh, you know, I've got a ways to go on things, um, you know, to, to, to live to 120 years old. <laughs> So I have a ways to go to get to that point. You know, the thing that's so weird is that though I'm 69 going on 70, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, I still feel like I felt when I was a teenager, like a young adult or, you know, when I was 30, I remember was remembering today when I became 30 and I survived that far and I was going through divorce, I was losing my house, I was, you know, Everything, but one thing I did do, I became a writer at 30. It was 1984, yeah, 30 years after I was born in 1954. I became a writer. That's, I, I had panic attacks. They, the psychiatrist and had me on all kinds of uh, like Xanax and Tofranil, and right, which is an antidepressant, like, like one of the early goings, uh, kind of like a, um, early version of, uh, uh, you know, serotonin, uh, you know, uptake inhibitors. Um, all right. Trying to put more serotonin in your brain. <laughs> so I was like, on a, yeah. And then they had me on effects you know, and they had me on, uh, some other thing. Um, uh, Wellbutrin. You ever heard of those? Okay. Well, they're all the same. Prozac was, had me on that. They had me on all these things to try to address the panic attacks plus Xanax. So if you get to where you're hyperventilating, just pop the Xanax and then, you know, it'll be okay. And, uh, you know, not, you know, just pretty much just very careless. That guy died too. He was a psychiatrist and ended up dying, you know, early. Oh, the damage he's done to people is just incalculable. He's like Joseph Mengele, right? So um, finally, I realized, hey, I got to get off these drugs. You know, they're killing me. And back then, I was fairly, I was uh, in pretty good shape, fairly thin, was not overweight at all. I was doing some early video stuff, but I, I, I started getting, you know, into uh, uh, writing the screenplay. And I remember beginning with a uh, IBM Selectric typewriter. And I had a manual typewriter too, and I still have I still have two of my manual typewriters, which are really cool. You have to develop really strong fingers though, but it's it's even cooler for a writer, you know, not being connected to an electrical cord. Anyway, the Selectric would go real fast and all that. And then came the IBM PC in 1983, 1982, 83, and you know, finally in 84 they were being mass sold. So I got one of those and started, you know, 
entering in the screenplay on the uh, little IBM monitor there uh, using a program called WordStar where you had to kind of identify, like, if you wanted to uh, underline or italics or bold or, you know, whatever, you'd have little codes you put around the words. And, um, you know, it was pretty pretty reliable. And then I, I remember I had a job with a company called uh, Screenplay Systems, which uh, developed a program called Scriptor, which would take your WordStar document and it would format it into a, uh, you know, Hollywood, uh, you know, ready professional screenplay format with top and bottom continues and page numbers and you know all the technical stuff that uh is required in a screenplay and uh so i would go go to various uh studios and producers houses and all kinds of adventures uh teaching people because when i would teach them how the software worked and i would and they'd see their screenplay come to life you know as a real screenplay from a Word Star document, and then eventually Microsoft Word, you know, Gates took over. But um, they uh, they were thrilled. That, I mean, what I had just sells itself. They didn't have to, you know. They just they just loved it, you know. So I got to you know see a lot of people that were involved in lots of productions and different things around uh, L.A. and um, and, uh, and, I, and I really had the, like, I was really, you know, I was doing that and I was writing and I was just really figured out my, cause you know, the, that kind of work going to, going to someone's house and, you know, outputting their screenplay as a screenplay. And then it's like, and then they learn how to do it. It's like, okay, thank you. And then get paid and leave. Very easy work for me to be doing, um, compared to being in a collective thing where people are just like looking at you why are you breathing? You know, why, why do you exist? You know, so I finally found something I could do. You know, it's either that or pizza delivery, <laughs> pretty much. You know, or something that you can, you know, that where you're you're not having to interact with hum- other humans who are just not on the same level, not on the same. Um, I, I don't want to put it put it in an arrogant way, but, but you know, make it sound that way. But are not in the same um, uh, spiritual plane, shall we say? Because when you're when you have the Lord, when you're on that spiritual plane, and we're more on it now today than we were right the last couple of weeks, the last few weeks. Now this week we're really on it, right? You you um, you know, others sense that, and it and it it both frightens them and it angers them. You know because they're one one thing is, you know you're into something they're not you're you're not codependent on them for anything. You don't need them for anything. They can say, okay, you know, technically, if the, the further you are on that plane, they can fire you because they just, they just want to mess you up. And I've, I, that happened to me quite a bit, you know, especially as a writer. I, I remember getting fired off the Invisible Man project for no good reason. I wrote a, a screenplay with Brian Usna and... and uh, he said he was happy with it. The next thing you know, he and the studio ganged up against me. Oh, no, and I forgave him. You know I mean? It's, it's all cutthroat. Uh, and got this other writer and this other gig going. So I went in the office. I said, well, they, you know, they owed me $10,000. So I went in the office. I said, you know, you got to pay me this $10,000. And um, I said, I'll tell you what. You either pay me the $10,000 or I'm going to throw you out the window. How do you like that? So I, had, I got to be kind of, you know, I was ready to fight. I had to, you know, I was crazy, you know, like that. And, um, I just, 
I, I would get paranoid and I'd think the other guy was part of some conspiracy against me. Can you imagine that? <laughs> so I got my money. I got paid. And, and remember, the secretary came out. She was really the development girl. She became like the partner. of the, She was just, you know, fucking the head guy is really what it was. And she, uh, she comes out because she really wanted to trade <coughs> me and others in <coughs> on people that were approved of in Hollywood that had the right, you know, agent and Willie Morris and all that stuff, you know, to, to you know, move up to a higher level of talent. So she goes, I just want to look at your face when I came out of the boss's, uh, you know, office. I just want to see your face, you know, now that you've been fired. Ah. And, and she's like, well, how do you feel? I said, I feel great. I got my check right here. See that bitch? You know? And uh, out I went. And then later when their whole company blew up, I, was, uh, I went down there to help one of the producers in his lawsuit. <clears throat> and um, I went in the other room. That would be the, the girl's room, you know, that, that, uh, that woman who just wanted to gloat over my being fired. And uh, I went in there and I've had all kinds of faxes of her complaining about me and Rick Fry and, you know, and Brian and all of, you know, just all of us. And I, I, it just was like so typical. She was like a Jezebel. She got in there, she got her way. And she caused it a company that was an ongoing company that was all set to go, that had some hit movies under its belt that could have uh, thrived. And she blew it to hell and gone and no one ever blamed her. I sure, I had fantasies about putting a potato in her, uh, sugar in her gas tank, a potato up, you know, in her exhaust, but I, that's not my style. You know, that's just, it's petty. It's, it, it's gotta be mono on mono for me, you know? So it's, you know, right. You just say your piece, confront them, and then you've got to let it go. You can't, you can't just carry it with you. I mean, I carry it with me so I could relate the story to you. But um, I felt like I was, you know, ganged up on that. I mean, that's that was the whole idea of becoming a writer. I, I could do it in the in, at home. I wasn't uh, having panic attacks by, you know, being around. If I was around a whole crowd of people or something, I just my heart would just start racing. If I was in a line to turn left, you know what I mean, in a big boulevard, and there was this like line of cars, right, waiting for that left signal, and like three would get through at a time. Oh. I was already with the, I had the bag and I was, you know, you know, hyperventilating and all of this, all of this, it was persecution, which I didn't understand until, um, I gave my life over to Jesus. And, and then it was all explained to me in, in, you know, like the, you know, the fifth chapter of Matthew <laughs> the sixth, I was able to see, uh, oh, I see. Count that as a blessing when that happens, I, you know, that you're a peculiar people. So I, it was kind of like, no, you weren't like one of them. Now you're one of us. You're one of us lost out there like a prodigal son. So they were treating you as if you were in Christ, right? You were getting that persecution. And then you found out when you met Jesus and got the whole thing, you go, the answer, the answers to all this, like, well, why would they do that? What, why are they picking on me? Are they following me? Are they, are, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? What did I do to them? Right? 
I need a psychiatrist. I need a, I need a psychologist. I need counseling. I mean, I need uh, medication. I need uh, booze. I need something to get this out of my mind. And you know, I'm I'm just like being pointed at and and persecuted and followed and and they just want to kill me. Is that what it is? And then all of a sudden they're nice. So finally, I had my answer when I met Jesus. It was kind of like um, I've always known Jesus. Jesus was always there, always inspiring me to write, always inspiring me to, uh, to when it, things got really bad, to look out beyond myself and, and, you know, try to connect. And I just really couldn't connect until it was finally at the end of my rope. And then after that, it all made sense. All the gang stalking, all the following, all the conspiracies, all the paranoia, um, the integration of multiple personalities and, and multiple splits from trauma, the acknowledgement finally, this took a long time till I was really a lot older, till I was very, very old as an adult, to understand that, you know, the people that you thought loved you tried to kill you, and you have to really, that's, that's hard to get your mind around, you know, that you're, you're, you know, they say, I love you, and then they hire a guy to kill you. It's, it's, it's hard for a, a child to understand that if they love their parents. You know, it's beyond A2 Brute. It's a deep, deep betrayal. Deep, deep, you know, a mother killing her son. It's, uh, it's, I think it's, it's as deep as it gets. I mean, I don't think that there's anything more profound than that. You know, I've seen, you know, usually you're so caught off guard, you just let her stab you. And you go, why? And then you die. You know, and so it's, it's that kind of, you know, constant trauma and splitting and hurting and attacking. And then, of course, there's the program, right? The, the You have gifts, so the CIA is right there. They test you with... Uh, men's a test, you, 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 you blow it away, so now they're all on your back, you know what I mean, trying to put you in a program. And the program is usually remote viewing, and it's remote psychic um, linking and things like that, and they hang out in mental hospitals because that's where the gifted people are. That's where the people that have the gifts are. That's where the parents are dropping off the kids that can't conform. Why? Because of the gifts, because of the way God made them. It's got nothing to do with, with will, it's got to do with can or can't. It's got to do with species. It's got to do with made. It's got nothing to do with will. I'm sure every one of those kids, if they could have another chance, would if they could, if will counted, would use, this is not free will I'm talking about, this is the will to become like them and become one of them. I guarantee you every one of them would have taken up that deal if they could have had it back when they were, you know, immature, before they understood what it all meant. They would want, rather be part of the group and accepted and loved rather than just being hated and kicked around and for something they didn't know what they did wrong. Just imagine being like that, trying to carry yourself through life day after day. I know you're laughing. Going, this is me. You know, day after day. You know, year after year. And then whenever people smile at you, you know the daggers are all sharpened behind their backs. And you wonder, why is that? I had this happen to me the other day. You remember the, um, 
the very wise Bob Dylan was probably wise beyond his years. I know he's had a, quite a battle between the devil and, and God, you know, back and forth, and he's kind of lived that out publicly a little bit. And I, I'm not here to judge him, but, but you know, I always, I always, if I see wisdom somewhere, I like to. I'm getting into this wisdom thing, you know. Well, in his song, um, everybody must get stoned. He had a really wise. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a very wise song, but all but there's a part of it that goes, you know, they'll stone you and then they'll say good luck, right? It's exactly that's exactly right. They 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 they're they're gossiping about you, telling them how much they hate you and they hate your guts and all this. And then when they see you, they're like, I had this happen, you know, recently where I was told good luck on my medical problems, and I know the guy wanted to just run me through with a knife. You know, you know what I mean? It is through jealousy and through whatever it is, but just, you know, pure, pure hatred. And you can feel that. And then he goes, good luck, you know, getting, you know, right. And I'm like, you're just trying to check up to see what my prognosis is, if I'm going to die or not. So you can celebrate, you know, and I'm like, I, I know you're doing that. I have gifts, I see everything everybody does. Everybody, every single person I know, I know what they do, I know what they think. That's why I have to be isolated. And so I knew, and, 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 and you know, check me on accuracy. Go ahead. You'll find that there's like oh, you know, 0.003 paranoia and you know 99.9% accuracy. And some, you know, I, I agree to the t- tiny bit of paranoia. That's just from re- past reflexes. But I can tell you this. It's like, well, what's the prognosis? Well, I'm no longer in the wheelchair. I am hobbling around on a cane. Um, I can't, I don't let people see me anymore. Um, uh, you know, every day above ground, you know, joking around. Yeah, I didn't want to go into any detail. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. Like Scarface, every day above ground is a good day. I'm like, yeah, that's it. He goes, well, good luck. <laughs> After fishing for a prognosis. I, you know, it, 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 was, it was so much Bob Dylan that it, it, it was just like, gosh, I wish I understood that song when I was a kid because that's when it came out. And, and you know, this, this whole thing about... Um, you know, people and the way they are with each other. Because if it weren't for the system of rules, you know, hidden rules, hidden system, you know, people don't talk about. If it weren't for that, they'd they'd kill each other right now. That's the only thing that keeps them uh, on the up and up. You see the politician, you know, all of a sudden blowing smoke up the other guy's ass, buttering him up, you know, because he wants something, you know. And then, and then, but this idea of stoning you and then saying good luck, um, that notion, it always, you know, it puzzled me when I was a kid when I heard that. They'll stone you and then they'll say good luck. It, it puzzled me. And then it literally happened to me, just literally right out of the song, exactly, like to the T. What's the prognosis? You know, how are you doing? I want to hear, well, give me a report on, you know, how long are you going to live? You know, are you going to make it? You know, 
And I could tell the guy was just salivating, just salivating over my death, just salivating, just wanting me to die. And I could tell. It may not have been him, it may have been a demon within him, but it was still coming from him. You know, because in, in, for a number of reasons, I can't go into the reasons there's a, there's a problem, but I mean, it's nothing I did. You know, it's all in his own head. But, but you know, the, just the devil s- sicked him on me. Right? The devil sicked him on me. That's exactly how it went down. That's exactly why it's going on. I'd like a prognosis. I want to hear just exactly what's happening with your health. And, uh, you know, so how you doing? Are you still in a wheelchair? Uh, no, I graduated from the wheelchair. I can actually walk now a little bit. I'm walking without the cane, you know, most of the time. But I use the cane, uh, you know, and uh, if, if just out there, if I'm driving, I have to go in, into a store or something. I've, uh, I have to not fall. <laughs> so, you know, it's a. Uh, I don't feel sorry for myself though. I, mean, I feel actually pretty good. You know what I mean? I, I don't feel bad. I mean, yeah, it could be worse. I know a lot of other people that are, they're, you know, they've lost their kidneys, they lost their legs, they lost, you know. So I'm just like, I have no right to complain. You know, I had the best care in the world, which was pretty pathetic, but, you know, I had it. You know, I had, uh, you know, I had uh, people pumping in, uh, you know, life-saving antibiotics into me when I needed them. So, I, you know, I can't complain. You know, I knew it was God that did the healing, though. But on this idea, well, good luck. You know, how are you doing? You know, and I'm out, out of, you know, I'm walking around with a cane. I'm out of the wheelchair and, you know, I'm making progress. And I could tell there was like a disappointment, you know, with saying good luck. You know, there's a disappointment with, uh, you know, how I'm doing. There was a, a disappointment with the idea that, oh, shoot, you might live longer. There's really a need for, in some people for, 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 you know, they really want me to die. I mean, they really want me to die now. I can feel it. And uh, it's, it's either, you know, it could be a woman scorned out there. You know, maybe more than one. Could be uh, an ex-movie uh, partner, something like that, you know. Probably more than one, probably more, more, than, more than three. There could be five. You know, people that know something about the craft and know how to do sympathetic magic and black magic, you know, putting me in the center of their circle and just stabbing me to death with, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, running pins through me, you know, you know, making me into a voodoo doll. I mean, there's absolutely no end to these people and how disgusting they really are. And, you know, horse racing there's a lot of bad people, but movies, there's a lot of bad people too. And music and the arts, horrible people. Absolutely the worst of the worst. Because they have something they have to prove. And the only way they can prove it is to kill the other guy. The guy above them. The, the perceived one that's in their way. And many of them actually do become assassins. And start as, as assassins. You know, Case in point, the gong show guy. I forget his name now. He was a, he was an assassin, and they parlayed that into the Gong Show. I, I wow, <laughs> just thinking about that's a typical Hollywood story, though. 
I, I, in my Glass Backwards novel, I try to explain how the assassin works in Hollywood. People die all the time in Hollywood. Remember that girl, that Ronnie uh, Chasen, the agent? She was at the uh, the Cher movie uh, launch, after party, whatever. Jeff Bridges was there, a bunch of celebrities down on the strip. Forget where they were, whatever. Some restaurant. Driving home about 12.30, there's a guy that happens to be waiting at the corner of Sunset and Whittier, for those who know uh, Beverly Hills. And, uh, you know, but, but he came from, you know, 30 miles away. Way, way down in the seedy Santa Monica area, down by mid-Wilshire almost. That's a long drive on a bike. So he's just sitting there at random, and he at random went and shot her to death. As she was waiting to turn left, she made the left turn, and of course she was dying, and she crashed into a light pole and broke the light pole, fell over, and he disappeared. Eventually, John Walsh got involved, another you know, lovely uh, person, and uh, you, you know, they, they caught him at some, he was homeless from that area, uh, you, you know, down in the seedy, Santa, you know, the seedy Los Angeles area of Santa Monica Boulevard down toward Hollywood and down that way, down toward, you know, Western, Western Avenue. Think about how far Western Avenue is from Whittier and Sunset. Now, you tell me a guy's going to... And, and if you're sitting at the corner of Whittier and Sunset on a bicycle in Beverly Hills and the BHPD, the Beverly Hills Police Department, drives by, you're gone, you're in jail, that period. Because there's not anybody out there, only the people that kind of live there. So then they called it some random hit, and Ronnie Jason's family publicly accepted it. I did an investigation, and I realized that she got, I think she got bumped off by the Russian mafia for uh, losing money or something, lying. But whatever, they paid this guy to go do it. And he did it. Then when they found him, both the LAPD and the BHPD, both, said that it was a random killing and there's no motive. He's just a crazy homeless guy. There you go. The reason he got caught is because he was bragging about it when he got back to his apartment that he doesn't live in, but he hangs around the apartment house. He hangs around. And he was boasting about, about uh, killing her. And it was on the news, and he said, I did that. And that's how they caught him. Okay. And if you believe that, I got some, you know, I, I got some ocean front on the moon for you. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just um, typical. But, I mean, L.A. is one of the, you know, and, and really I also blame, you know, the, the Hollywood and uh, my own family and others for ruining L.A., just absolutely ruining a great city. You know, I definitely feel that my own line had something to do with ruining it, making it the most corrupt city probably in the world because it was a, uh, it was a crossroads of Asia, you know, America, you know, trafficking, you know, Chinese barges coming over. And uh, talk about human trafficking. They would come over with a, with a barge, you know, and, and some of these containers filled with children and to be distributed throughout the United States. Back in 1975, 
Same thing going on now. The same thing. The very same thing. You know, and I was told that's the way the world is. One big pedophile. And L.A. was also kind of the the launching pad for Las Vegas, which was the escape for the mob on the East Coast. And then they, you know, they, they, they tried to... There was already a mafia in place in Los Angeles. And that mafia was the military-industrial complex that Eisenhower talked about. And they all lived down in Palm Desert. That's where the Eisenhower Medical Center is. That's where the... Uh, that's where, uh, you know, I was introduced to all that. I met Bob Hope and Dolores Hope and all those, you know, Walt Disney and all these people that they sponsored that they wanted to be big mucky mucks in L.A., and all of them turned out to be scumbags, pretty much. So, right? But no one will say that. You know, Bob Hope, he helps with the USO or whatever it is and goes and talks to the troops, and he was so helpful with people. You wouldn't think that he was into anything nefarious. Of course not. That's just a conspiracy theory. But it gets even deeper than that. And no one ever talks about L.A., you know? You know, you get Ricky Gervais, he gets up there on the Academy Awards and, you know, yells at everybody for being a pedophile and leaves. And nobody bats an eye. Patton Oswalt gets on a tape that's on YouTube along with the, made by Sarah Silverman. You know, a couple of comedians. And she's got a kid in the back of the van. I told you this, back of the van. And she go, he, he goes, uh, you know, he's five years old. He goes, I got to go to the bathroom. And she goes, you can go in my mouth. And then he says, he sees like a, a boy drive by on a bicycle. He goes, oh, man, how do I get me some of that? So there, there, there it is, right out in the, you know, in the open. Then I, I figure, what if I see this guy at a film festival? Well, the best, the best way to avoid that is to, you know, take people like us and just not have us come. Because maybe they would be in danger. We can't have that. They're the big stars. How about Charlize Theron turning her kids into... Uh, you know, trans girls before they even have an, before they can even speak any language. You know, just so she can boost herself and boost herself in the ratings. And that's the only reason she did it. And then she wants to, then she claims that anybody that gives her any lip about any of this stuff, she wants to fight. Well, good, you got to fight, woman. Let's see how far you get with that. You're getting older now. Your looks are fading, lost, you know, you're stupid. Yeah, it's, uh, you're going to be forgotten in Hollywood. Yeah, you'll be replaced. Hopefully by AI. <laughs> anyway, but that's, that's uh, where, where we are, you know. That's where we are. The world is hidden. And then when people find out about the world, they... Um, they either agree to when in Rome or they go against when in Rome. But the same world was here a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, a million years ago, forever. It's called the fall of man. And it's all kept in secret because the devil is supernatural. The devil hides things. The devil, look, with the UFO thing, they can come into this reality. They can walk right into your wall. And right through the wall. Why? Because they're holographic. They can, they can go, they project themselves any which way. They can take over people. They can take over animals. There's nowhere these people are not. They're everywhere. 
we are the minority. We are the, you know, the, the thorn in their side. But if we were gone, they would all kill themselves because there'd be no reason for them to live. The only reason they have to live is us. We're the only reason they even exist. And that's the great irony that nobody talks about. Why not? They would not exist because God would never have allowed them to be born, ever. You know, they're just, what gets born is, you know, uh, has to, you know, come up out of the ground and have seeds and germinate and, you know, grow and have fruit. Well, these people don't have that. Right? They get taken over by something else, and then that's the thing that lives, not them. That's why John Carpenter's movie said they live. Yes, they're all a they. The only thing missing from that was they all look like they were demons, you know, with weird faces when you put the glasses on, um, which was a device he used to show you. But the majority are, you know, demon filled. Or as Dr. Zelenko said, most of them are, are, are basically, you know, possessed by, you know, the demonic. It's like a demonic force, and they, they, they run the show. And they're gonna. Where do you think they're gonna run it? If a demonic entity gets in, in charge, the demonic entity is gonna run the thing right into, of course, perversion, right, violation of kids of innocence, human sacrifice, and cannibalism, and eventually things like you know having rituals involving eating poop and you know, and, and urinating on each other. They were doing that on TV and the Grammys are urinating on each other with the Sam Smith thing. So, you know, the, the golden showers are out of the closet now. I mean, you know, everything is that way. You're the difference. You're the exception. And they hate you for it and they want you dead. I was listening to um, somebody who they say that how they want you dead. They want you dead. They want to kill you, every one of you. And they're plotting, you know, every way they can. The, the, they were saying, like, the Patriot Act was all really just to get, um, you know, say, conservatives, meaning, you know, people that honor the country or honor the Bible or honor God or have morals or anything like that. They're the ones that are the uh, the terrorists. They're the... You know, they're the real white supremacist terrorist or whatever. Anybody that, even a black guy that would be conservative should be hated and killed. And that's all they think about all day long is getting rid of you. And if you think that's a boast, do a little research. You'll find out. You'll find out. The world wants you dead. Hey, if you could have swapped places with me and been in the place I was, I was staring at a number of people that wanted me dead. Not just uh, so-called friends that say good luck. They they slapped me on the back, you know, with their fingers crossed, right? While they're nodding and winking to their buddy, you know, we're going to, we're going to fuck this guy up. Next thing you know, you know, your deal goes south or something goes wrong or there's something. And you know that there've been words said behind the scenes, you know, there's something, some setup going on. And it's like one setup after another setup after another setup after another setup after another ad, ad nauseum and infinitum. They just can't believe you keep surviving, that you keep on surviving. How do you do that? 
after they've done everything they could to break your will, to break your back, to break your spirit, to break you, to break your health, to break everything that you are, that you are about, and, and to turn everyone against you and to make you into the most miserable thing ever, and you still hold your head up and you still walk, and it's because of Jesus Christ. It's not because of me. I'm here because of God, so I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to stay here as long as God wants me here. And it, you know, you people that want our, our destruction, the thing you have to understand is um, we're not here at your behest because you don't even exist. You're nothing. You're a fool, a loser, a pathetic. God laughs at you as an idiot. The only reason we're here and we can survive all your bullshit is because God keeps us going. And then, you know, one day, He's going to turn loose his, his you know, warring angels and the, the whole karmic trip, it's all going to be released on your head. And, you know, there won't be us doing the dying. You'll be doing the dying. You, you'll be going first if we all have to go. You'll be cursing. Your, uh, no, no, you'll be loving. You'll be saying, oh, Klaus Schwab in perpetuity. Thank you, Klaus, as you breathe your last dying breath. Thank you for liberating us. Thank you for the upside-down you know, pentagram. Thank you for the hammer and sickle. Thank you for all the abortions and all the, all the pedophilia and all the you know, dismemberment of, of people and all the things we get to do. Thank you for the devil. Thank you for the destruction of all things. I guess it's my turn to go now. Well, I happily volunteer because... I hate God. Okay? So you see, it's all about you. It's all about you out there. It's not about us. It's not about, it's not about me at all. It's all about God and what God wants and you know, getting in alignment with his will and, you know, and, and, and trusting him. And the reason I do that is because I get love and I give love. And I need that flow of love back and forth. And it's, a, it's, it's unconditional. It's, a, it's just like my dog. I get unconditional love from, from Ben and, and vice versa. We have a secret bond, you know, and it's like with the Lord, I've got a secret bond with God, you know. It's like, you know, when everything goes south and everybody, like when you're sitting there at death's door and everybody wants you dead and everything is really, really shitty, God is there 100% saying, look, you did nothing wrong. You didn't insult anyone. You didn't hurt anyone. You didn't, you, you were kind. You didn't, uh, you, you know, uh, do anything to anyone that would be deserving of what you're getting. And that's been month after month, week after week, year after year of unfairness. So I'm here to balance the scale. And God does. And then we keep going. Because the reason why is because the, the weight of the world and the, the, the evils of the world, the evil perpetrations that the world does, does not equal the love of God. So therefore, we easily keep going. Now, Jim Caviezel is just hated everywhere. You know, just, just hated. Uh, he's got his head up and he keeps going. He leads giant prayer meetings and stuff. He's, he's uh, on fire for God. So... Um, and eventually the churches will also be uh, judged and they will have uh, tribulation, which is good, which I can't wait. I pray for that. 
and the uh, evil pastors and the, the people that want you to conform to the system and the churches and get the jazz, all that stuff, they're going to be thrown out. Not of all of them, but there'll be a few. And uh, that's, that's worth waiting for. So that's another thing that's, that's happening. Actually, that's happening right now. That's, that's underway. And as it ramps up to be more evil, I would instruct everybody to watch for God's movement during that time especially. The more evil it gets, the more God is moving. So there's a lot more to talk about with respect to the miracles of God. There's a lot more to look at. The more evil they do, the more God does. And when God moves, everybody benefits. So, um, you know, and they wind up with egg on their face. Look at the Hunter Biden thing now. Let's, let's turn to that for a second. The Hunter Biden trial is, could be called egg on, on arrogant Joe's face. You know, totally. Egg, and I got this word today, and I'm going to share the word with you. The more they, I'm not saying that Trump is the greatest guy in the world, but God has, God protects him. So the more they pick on Trump, who symbolizes, you know, basically us in a sense, the more they pick on Trump, the more Joe goes down, the more Hunter goes down, the more, you know, the rest of them go down, the more the military, you know, the, 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 the guys in the dresses in the military, the more they're getting smashed to the ground and uh, tossed out on their fucking ears for ruining the U.S. military. So the more, I don't know why that is. It's binary. The more they do to Trump, it's like a seesaw. The more they do to Trump, the more it hurts Joe. Now they have an extra witness, an extra defendant, because they don't have enough. So now they're cooking up more defendants. It's, the whole thing is becoming dicey as hell. The more they do to Trump, the more Joe goes down. More Trump, more Joe. More Trump, more Joe. More Trump, more Joe. God showed me that today, this morning. I said, Lord, why? We, I'm not even sure about Trump. He's lied. He's, he's done, he's been like a little bit of a gangster, you know. I mean, but he's done good. I mean, he did great with the economy. He's, he wants to do right, but then he had all these bad people. I, what, do I, what am I supposed to think about him, Lord, with the, the mRNA thing? And he pushed that, and he was wrong, and he never apologized. What do I do? What do we do? He said, that doesn't prevent me from favoring him over Biden. Because he acknowledges me, the Lord. He acknowledges me, Jesus Christ. He acknowledges the truth. Even though he's flawed. And he's fucked up in some ways. But God puts his hand of favor on Trump. And says, even though all the odds would say that, oh, he's in jail. He's wrecked. This time we got him. Look at all the... The, the, the people that are salivating over Trump's demise. They think they got him now. He's going to be in jail, and he's going to die there. Yeah. Because all they want is everybody that opposes them dead. Dead, dead, dead. You understand me? They want you dead. Got that? Dead. Understand that. You understand the whole thing. They don't want coexistence. They don't want to work together. They don't want bipartisanship. They want death. Death, 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 death. And that's basically, the, you, once you understand that, you understand the whole thing. Okay, so, and they've always been that way. They just hide it. 
like Mitch McConnell. They're, they're, they're mourning Mitch. Why? Because he's the, one of them. He's one of theirs. He's like Romney. Willard. Willard Romney. That was my... Willard. Mittens. Willard Mittens Romney. He's having a club soda with his lovely wife down in La Jolla. La Jolla, where my family was in La Jolla for all my life, there was La Jolla. I was barred from there for a lot of years, but I did spend a little bit of my childhood there. And it's a nice little village, La Jolla, and there's a little village down by La Jolla Shores. And that's where Romney lives. He got a house there. And he built, he tore the house down to build an underground garage because the parking is so impossible on that street. I think it's either El Paseo Grande or one of these other streets that go by, that's like on the beach there. And the, all these houses are stacked up against each other. But they're right there at the La Jolla Pier and on La Jolla Shores Drive, right, right there on the, you know, um, on the beach. It's pretty much, you know, and then you take a walk down to Black's Beach and it's, really a lovely, lovely place to be. It really is. And, uh, you know, they ruined it for me, so I'll never go back again. But uh, for someone that's never been there, it would be a lovely experience. But Romney, I can see him there in that, you know, it used to be Gustav Anders, I, some restaurant they have there that keeps changing. That's, that's They've got one kind of gourmet restaurant down there in the, in the uh, La Jolla Village at La Jolla Shores. And I can see Romney with his club soda and uh, Mama there with her uh, Chardonnay. Anne. Her name is Anne. And I'm sitting there, and he's telling me how great, you know, how strong the Mormon community is. The Mormon community, it, it, it's, it's, it's flooded La Jolla. And they, even on the uh, 5 freeway, they have a, t- a whole temple there. It looks like something out of Satan's... Uh, it looks like Disneyland in hell is what it looks like. Hell meaning, you know, hell not meaning red and black and, and, and fire and brimstone, but hell meaning weird ethereal colors and strange glowing white and just a strange spires spindling up into the sky and uh, crowds of people coming in for the service and they all live in La Jolla. And all the Mormon kids, and they're all living in La Jolla. No, I met quite a bit. I didn't understand the the Mormon community there. But see, Romney wouldn't have chosen La Jolla Shores because it's really crowded. And so when Romney's down there, I mean, there's no private gate. There's no gated community. He's right there. They could see him pulling in, except one twist. He gets to pull in in an elevator, takes his car down to the next level, in the basement, so he doesn't have to deal with anybody. Then he can take the elevator back up into the kitchen. So he remains hidden. Although I can see him with his, you know, topsiders in one hand and his, uh, and his, uh, you know, uh, little golf shirt on the other, his, his, you know, and you know, a sweater tied around his waist, around around, around his neck, his uh, little cardigan or his little, uh, you know, cashmere sweater, you know, barefoot walking down the beach. Um, just loving how much money he's made and how how much he's completely, you know, duped the uh, state of Utah and how he's uh, made a living by just being a lying scoundrel and how great it's all been and how wonderful it all is and how he saved uh, humanity and everything else and how he wants to, um, you know, 
uh, save America by getting rid of Trump, which is the whole goal of Romney and uh, his uh, little little niece, Rana. Rana down there with a one-piece on the beach, probably at the Beach and Tennis Club, where they will set up your little cabana for you. And there she is at the Beach and Tennis Club playing a little tennis, and then she's down there on the beach in her, you know, one-piece sort of, you know, uh, you know, it's you know more flattering if you have a few extra pounds, and um, you know she's there just laughing about how they're planning on you know boosting the Democrats and boosting Joe Biden for the next uh, term, and saying yeah they'll never catch us they'll never find out what we're doing but if they ever find out what we've done, you know Mitt uh, Uncle Mitt if they ever find out what we've done uh, they'll crucify us don't worry honey. They'll never find out. Half the things I've done, you know, I'd be in jail for, but they'll never find out those things either. We just got to get Trump. Trump is a loose cannon. Who knows what he'll do? <laughs> it's all about... <laughs> what is it? Now, what are you talking about? Hmm? Are you ready for me to... Are you saying that's it? Okay. Well, Ben's is calling it. Uh, I, I went, you got the best of me today. Gosh, you got, uh, man, I was just almost like free associating. Just really riffing on, you know, just, I was just fathoming all the, all the bad things that have happened. You know what I mean? That the constant uh, hatred of, of, I don't even know, it's almost like an object, and, and they're trying to put it on me, and I didn't do anything. I, I've been on their side, like this guy that said, good luck. I've always been supportive. I've always been, you know, a good friend. What? He's double-minded, Zach. Well, then everybody I know is proud, probably double-minded, and they're all plotting against us. Well, here's a song they really like, and I'll see you guys next time. And we'll get into even more spirited discussion. I might have... Well, shoot, I can't have my enemies on here. They're all dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what do I do now? No, we're just so grateful that you're feeling stronger. Everybody's noticing that your voice sounds strong, your spirit is strong. Yeah. Yeah. Back to health. Well, I got some challenges, and the one main one is sleep, right? That's like... Well, we know the answer. Yeah, we know the answer. It's, you know, detox time. And, um, you know... Anyway, here's Ben's, and I'll see you guys next time. Oh, here's a song that, um, you know, you need to play down at the local uh, kindergarten. Here at 9 to 5, 5, uh, we can see it out, thanks. We've uh, got the suspects off under observation. Uh, it's that lighthouse over there, the one with the yellow trim. Why don't you uh, get to the head of that big tree over there? We'll find you some suspects red card.
Stop it. 